Welcome to Coffee with Ken, with your host, Ken Balser. Well, this is Coffee with Ken. I'm your host, Ken Balser. We're at Forza Coffee Company out in Marvin Road, uh, right next to Les Schwab, in case you don't know where it is. We thank them very, very much for giving us free coffee and uh, p- providing a facility for us to have coffee with Ken. My guest today is probably somebody you don't know, never, probably never even heard of him, but his name is Don T., and Don is the owner of Private Sector Arms, which is a gun shop in, in Olympia. Actually, on the west side of Olympia, over by Baskin and Robbins. Welcome, Don. Thanks. I know you should call. I used to call you Don, but I'll I'll yeah. do that. <laughs> I'll try not to call you Uncle. For some public discussion, we <laughs> 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 let you know that uh, he does advertise on my blog, and he is my nephew. So uh, he won't hold it against me. No, people will hold everything against you. <laughs> And probably hold it against me for having you on. Well, we, we had, had Don here for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, uh, just recently he was on King TV with uh, talking about registration of firearms and those kinds of things. And right after Donald Trump was elected, his gun shop was vandalized. And um, nobody did anything in the news about it, did they? No, no, not one one single blurb on any of that. In fact, uh, NPR was notified because they had just got done doing an interview uh, based off of what you were talking about with King 5 News and, and the whole what happens to somebody when they get denied was the big question at the time. Uh, so I contacted him a couple days later, even before it aired, explained to him what happened to the shop, sent him pictures, uh, to, you know, told him, wasn't sure if it was pertinent to the, to the story, but it'd be nice if we could get our story out there. Well, why don't you explain to our listeners exactly what happened to your shop and when it was and what happened? Yeah, so in the morning, uh, the day after uh, Trump was elected. That'd be Wednesday morning. Yeah, Wednesday morning. Um, we're on the way to the shop, and I get a call from the owners of the Baskin Robbins, which is right next door to I think us. In the, in the good shop right next to Baskin Robbins. Oh, it's, it's great, especially when you good start a business cream. in the summer. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the foot traffic was beautiful. Uh, but they're, you know, he's a firefighter and stuff like that, and they come from a long family of first responders and whatnot, and they happened to spot this guy messing around the shop, so they took off after him in a car. Oh, they did? They did, and they, they chased this guy in their vehicle while calling 911. Now, keep in mind, this guy left the scene of the crime on a bicycle, <laughs> okay, typical, uh, you know... Holy protester style. We're gonna do a a bike by vandalizing. <laughs> so, but uh, anyway. Well, before you get too yeah. further, what did they do to the shop? So what they did to the shop is uh, he painted on the front "fu" in full words um, all across there, probably six or seven times in letters that were at least a foot tall, um, and then took gorilla glue. I'm assuming to the front and the back door, glued up all the seams, the hinges, stuffed glue in the locks, um, all of that, so we couldn't get in the building, or at least that was the idea, was so we wouldn't be able to get in and have a business day. Okay, so the, the owner of Baskin Robbins, uh, or the complex mm-hmm. there, saw the guy and took off after him in his car. Yeah, yeah took off after him in his car, called 911, told the uh, operator what was going on, and that they were in pursuit of this guy trying to, you know, follow him at least until a, a unit was able to, to catch up with the guy. So they followed him until they couldn't follow him anymore. And they eventually lost him because, you know, he's on a bicycle. And uh, he, he must have ditched it and went into the woods over off of Cooper Point or something. But um, they followed him for a good 15 minutes and nothing happened. No cop showed up. Nothing. So by so the, the time they called me. Did the police ever respond? 
The funny part is they never did respond. In fact, the only time they responded was after um, I had called 911 myself once I got there and saw the damage. I explained what happened. They said they would have an officer respond. Uh, we didn't hear from anybody for about three hours and then a police officer did show up. He said that he'd heard about what happened, but he wasn't there for that. And then he bought a box of ammo and left. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know that sounds there, bad. He was there for some other reason. Yeah, well, he was there to buy some ammo, so that was great. I, yeah. was, I was thankful for that. Um, and he was there to give us his condolences. As so as far as you know, no police report has ever been filed on that. Um, yeah, as far as I know, actually, no, I'll bet there is. There is, a, we did generate a case number. And I specifically did that because I didn't want it going unnoticed, but also insurance? in case we insurance and stuff like that. Um, in fact, I think that was the officer that, as we were talking, was like, well, hey, let me get, you know, this and that. And I think he ended up ginning up something. Okay. But, um, uh, yeah, as far as anybody officially appearing. For so so it just sounds, sounds like the Olympic Department didn't really... That wasn't a priority for them. It was not a priority at that time, no. And the thing is, is... Of course, uh, if there had been racial slogans painted on there, it might have been different, huh? It might have been. You know, what's really interesting about that take on it is I really didn't... You know, here we're thinking, oh, uh, yeah, some Hillary supporter, right? At least that's what I was thinking. But uh, what's interesting is that we're, we're pretty apolitical. I mean, we're an arms dealer. We're not necessarily the good old boy gun shop. We're an arms dealer, and everybody has the right to defend themselves regardless of how they feel politically. So we have a huge following from uh, uh, transgender, um, the lesbian and gay community, Pink Pistols uh, come in there all the time. They buy weapons from us generally because they're comfortable being in there. We treat them like people and you know, uh, like they deserve to be treated and we arm them because out of a lot of people, they kind of need it more than anybody else, I would think. But I, I think that uh, they really feel comfortable coming in and we had so you, these individuals so you come don't, in. So you don't think this was a, was a Hillary supporter it was just somebody well, that's opposed to guns or what? I kind of thought it was a Hillary supporter, right. but then this uh, individual comes in the next day and she goes, Hey, man, I saw what happened on Facebook to your store. I'm so sorry. Do you think it was a Trump supporter that knew you were married to an immigrant? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and so that's, why, that's what's funny about the whole you know political gist on one side or get, another. And she, and she was dead serious. Then I had never even thought that that would be. But we all interpret those things as how we see. How much damage know. was done? Uh, as far as financial damage, um, I don't know. We blew about thirty minutes and a huge can of WD forty and another can of. Uh, of carburetor cleaner and that pretty much took the locks on the door though um that actually i did not replace the locks because uh by squirting it with that stuff we were able to pick all the goo out of the locks so it was you know it, it was hard to do but it was doable and we opened up on time didn't skip a beat and he didn't cost me a dime as far as that's concerned okay so there was no financial damage yeah, I think the windows are cracked and we'll probably have to, to talk about that now before we talk about uh, the Gun registration, that kind of stuff. Uh, ABC News had a big report last night on uh, break-ins in gun shops around the country. Really? Where they drive a vehicle into the shop mm -hmm. and get the guns off the shelf and they're out sure. in 20 seconds. Yeah. You know, they know what they're looking for and they get them. Now you've got big posts up in front of your place so they can't really do that to your place, yeah. right? Yeah. What kind, um, of, what kind of security can you tell me about that you sure, have sure. on your shop? Well, I mean, we have all the because basic people don't stuff. Want, people don't want a gun shop. People are going to steal right. guns out of it. Right, right. Well, we, we, we have, uh, you know, of course, we have more cameras than you can shake a stick at. 
Uh, we have all kinds of uh, sensor detectors um, everywhere, in the ceiling and the walls, anything. You can't break into the other side, and that was one of the things that happened up in Tacoma with, uh, uh, with Quantico Tactical. They broke into the Chinese laundry next door, they broke through that wall, and then stole a bunch of stuff out of there. Um, for ours, I mean, you even put a drill bit through that wall, everything goes off, the alarm goes off. As long as we have responsive police times, well, for those things. Yeah, yeah, we're good at security. Then, we don't have a yeah, exactly. alarm to be no, that They're right. monitors. Yeah, they're monitors. They're monitors. I'm here to tell you if you're being robbed. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last guy that was there, he got robbed during the winter. And, uh, now, you got to say yeah, that it wasn't a gun shop. It was not a gun shop. This was a coin shop. Right. And, and that's one of the reasons why all of those safety measures with the pylons in front and the bars on the windows and all that stuff was put into place was because the last guy that was there who ran a, a coin shop and a, he bought and sold gold kind of a deal, um, he got robbed and the uh, and they never caught who robbed that guy, but the cops were out front and out back and there was a there was two footprints of in the snow of them escaping off to the side with little coins here and there dropping along <laughs> the way and they never caught those guys. Never caught them. Well, it sounds like burglary isn't a major Probably. Yeah. Well, my understanding is at that time they were one guy was out front, and one guy was out back, but it was snowing and nobody wanted to get out of their cars, so they're waiting for him to come out. Oh, with the exit. come on! Now. Yeah, well. making, uh, <laughs> you never know. So, what was the, what was the King TV report about that you were just recently yeah. involved with? It was about the lack of any follow up when somebody who is a prohibited person attempts to purchase a firearm and gets denied. Okay, so. They, they come to you, they want to buy a gun, they get denied, yeah. and what happens then is what, is what the TV station wanted to know. Right, right. Uh, and so before we get there, mm -hmm. then, let's talk about the process. Okay. You know, I come in and I want to buy a gun, Yeah. and what do you say to me? What kind of gun do you want? Or Yeah, sure, I want to buy a gun. Great, let's take a look at some. So we find something that you like. Uh, you have a concealed weapons permit and a so you have uh, to, driver's do, license. Do you have, have a concealed you weapons don't. permit? You um, don't. On handguns, if you do, though, there's no waiting period. We get to do an instant background check, oh, okay. just okay. like we would at the others. Now, that's the, where it becomes pretty important because without that concealed weapons permit, we send all that information to the local law enforcement agency in charge of where you live and your address, and they're the ones that do the background check. And they happen to be the ones that denied you. So who is there to notify? Who is there to let know? They already know it. They were the ones that did it. And if they don't actually, I mean, really all they have to do, I've faxed them the evidence with the guy's signature. You're getting ahead of me here. Getting ahead of me here, Doug. Sorry. So I come in, I want to buy yeah. a handgun. Yeah. If I have a concealed weapons permit and a driver's license, you will sell that gun to me right then. Right then. And we do the check there. And you and you go we online. Do the FBI and check. If yep. I don't have a concealed weapons permit, right. then what, there's three day waiting for what? What does it work? Ten business day waiting period. Ten business day waiting. Or period. until the law enforcement agency returns back a proceed for the transaction. A proceed. Right. So we fax them a copy oh, of the paperwork. They say, they say, they say okay. you're good to go. They've ginned up. Uh, they they've generated a number, which is the NICS number, which is the federal background check number, which is the one that we do if it was an instant check, like it is on a rifle or a shotgun. Okay, we're talking about handguns right now. Right. So, so then I can if if I'm approved, you'll notify me then that I I come in and get my gun. If I don't, ten days I come in. You come in, then I get to run the instant check after the ten day waiting period has been satisfied. Oh, there's a ten day waiting period. Correct. And then you can run it, and then you can, then sell I can gun. run it myself. Oh, okay. Right. But if the law enforcement that's agency not like a loophole. During, that's not like a loophole in the law to me. Um. 
Well, it basically gives the law enforcement a specific amount of time. I mean, it gives the, them ten days, right? Ten so business days. Federal law says if you have a concealed weapons permit, and they approved our Washington State concealed weapons permit in 2011. If you have one of those, there is no background check. There's a little spot on there that says "did not do background check because they had this concealed pistols license." Right. But Washington law says you gotta run it anyway. But they themselves are the ones that put those restrictions on there. So that's Who, a state. Who's they? The police? The Washington, Washington State. Washington. So after 10 days, and, and I haven't been denied by any law enforcement right. agency, uh, you right. come in and you run another you, uh, I still run check an FBI him. check, correct. But you, and right there at the counter. Right. You look up and say, no, he's not there. Mm. And then you can sell him the gun. Right. Now what happens if you come in and, and the police agency has notified you that this guy can't buy a gun? How that he's been denied been denied. Okay, so they don't tell us any other information other they than been proceed, delay, or deny. Do they so ever? if they tell us it was denied, and they do every once in a while, uh, we have what is called a $200 denial fee. That is uh, obviously way overboard. Okay, so so when you, now you, you tell me this, yeah. that when I buy the gun first, mm -hmm. I have yeah. to buy the gun and pay, and pay this, this fee. No, you, then, buy the, you buy the gun. Right. Period. There's no fee unless you get denied. You don't, do, you don't do the check until you've got the gun sold. Right. And you got the money in hand. Correct. Okay. So you've got the money and you keep the gun for 10 days. They come back in, they're denied. You keep the gun and you give them back their money except for $200, which is your business fee. Right. Okay. Correct. And that's, that's if they want to take the $200 hit. Now keep in mind, some people are like actually legitimately surprised. And then they find out they had a they had a failure to appear for a parking ticket in Yakima. Like I've seen that. <laughs> yeah. And the guy here here he is with a concealed weapons permit, <laughs> and he can't he can't buy a handgun. He gets denied on a rifle because he has this warrant out for his arrest, which was a bench warrant for a parking ticket or something. So eventually, even though that's not federal law, that should not keep you from being able to exercise your Second Amendment rights. But in Washington State, it does because they have that right to do whatever it is that they want when you're not dealing directly with the federal government. Okay, so now we've got the guy being denied and seen. Now, King TV wanted to know what happens to these guys right. after they're denied. Right. So what, what do you know about that? I mean, why would you know what happens to these so guys? So the only thing that happens is we write denied on the paperwork and we're supposed to keep that there for as long as we're in business. So we keep it there. But that's if, if that had uh, if that background check was generated by the law enforcement agency, they're already notified, and that's the crazy part. So if if I did the instant background check and the guy got denied, there's nobody to tell. If it's a handgun and that law enforcement agency denied that guy, they already know. And they still don't do anything, even though it clearly states on the form that by lying on the on the state form is a gross misdemeanor, and lying on the federal so form is a felony. He, he tried to buy a gun from you. He couldn't do it. He's going to go get, get a gun from somebody else, I'm some other place. Is that the general consensus or general yeah. feeling? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would I would expect that if a guy tried his luck at the shop and got denied, he would not do that again, and he would go buy it in other means. Now here we have the King County Sheriff's Department and their direct quote was absolutely nothing. We don't do anything, we don't have the manpower, uh, excuses, excuses, oh yeah, and by the way, there is the black market, so what good would it do, he says. Well, there's a black market with drugs and apparently there's a war on that. 
but you can't stop a guy from trying to go out and get another gun illegally when you already know I'm that getting, he tried to get one legally. I'm getting the impression from just listening to you that you want the system to work. Oh, yeah. That you don't want criminals to get guns. Of course. I'm an arms dealer, and the only way I sleep at night is making sure that I arm law-abiding Americans. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> law abiding, and you know what? And, and and the citizenry. When we talk about a law abiding, the name of citizenry, private sector aren't. It is private sector. It's all about that. It's not about the public sector. That's run by the government. It's all about what's run by, by the citizenry. Now, you sell all kinds of of, mm -hmm. of guns. I mean, do you sell automatic weapons? No, the automatic weapons. Um, the you full auto. Look like a look, look like a. Sure, sure. Yeah, like there's that one in there that's bell fed. Uh, it's an RPD. That one is actually a semi-automatic, one trigger pull, one one round. Fully but, automatic where you hold the trigger and yeah. all the guns, all the bullets fall out. Yeah, there's no, um, all the bullets get shot. But, that's, that's, you that's not you wouldn't want that anyway. Oh, they're too expensive to feed. No, yeah, I mean, I mean, the gun, sure. you know, in two seconds you got rid of 40, 40 right. rounds. You're cool for and, about and, that long with your friends after that. After that, yeah, you got to reload <laughs> the damn thing. Yeah, and then you got to wonder, how does how many people know that I've committed this felony that's punishable by 20 years in jail? <laughs> one, of the, one of the arguments is the high capacity uh, uh, magazine. Mm -hmm. uh, What's the capacity of the biggest one you've got? Forty rounds, sixty rounds? Oh well, I mean, yeah, the as far as a, a magazine, yeah, uh, something that uh, holds it in a box shape, probably a uh, hundred, maybe one hundred and fifty. I think there's a couple. Why would anybody need a hundred and fifty rounds? Sometimes it's too much. Magazine. You can't even hold the gun. It will waste. Yeah, too but much. why would anybody even need even need a, a fifty round magazine? Uh, suppressive fire. <laughs> I know that sounds like a joke, but that's pretty much the, right, yeah, the true answer. Keep, you know, keep their heads down. Right, right. To right. keep their heads down. I mean, down. if you're in the military, you yeah. know what's suppressing in fire. Indiscriminate. Keep, keep everybody down to use fire. fire. That's, so uh, so yeah. your buddies can run away while you hold them down. That's pretty good for a guy that never served, right? That is pretty good for a guy that never served. So, yeah. but you, so you sell guns, you sell mm -hmm. rifles, you sell semi-automatic weapons, you yeah. sell handguns, mm -hmm. do you sell hand grenades? No. Claymores? No, nothing like that. No explosives. Uh, we do, however, get kind of close. So, wait, so obviously, as you know me very I, I well, you know that I'm just going to go out to the public here. That's right. Yeah. Uh, no, we we uh, we we specialize in abiding by the law. Uh, the problem with most of our citizenry is they don't understand exactly what their liberties are, so they automatically assume because it's scary and they've seen it somewhere in a movie, it can't quite be legal. So instead of actually finding out what is legal, they just go and go. Well, I can't have that. Why should anybody have that? Instead of actually figuring out, what so, are we talking about? We're talking about explosive targets right now. Explosive targets. So you're asking about explosives. Oh, oh so and I said, so we get close. We get close. We do sell a. Uh, I don't know that it's tannerite based, but there are some other tannerite stuff. But it's an explosive target. It's a little jar. You have this little like uh, you know Nissan ramen season packet that you open up and dump in there, and then you shake the thing up for a good twenty minutes to coat all the little balls in there or something. And then we do it. And then you shoot it. You shoot it with something that travels over, I think, 2,000 feet per so, second. So you send out some place. Yeah, out way out some place. Because <laughs> we, got, we sell of, half pounders. It's full of, of, yeah. of, of ball bearings. Yeah, well, no, it's it's uh, the little balls in there are little styrofoam packing balls. Oh, the styrofoam. Yeah. So it just, what it does is it just aerates the powder. It coats the powder, the explosive powder with whatever. And then when you shoot it, it blows up. Not No big flame, nothing like that. Just a big concussion. Almost like a, uh, like a, like a flashbang without the flash. Okay. So you know, yeah, you could if you if you put a steel bucket over it and sat on it, you might hurt your butt for a while. But it does make a big bang in the in the gravel pits. Now, you, but you also sell 
vests. Uh huh. Body armor. Yeah. Body absolutely. armor. And what, what you know? What other stuff do you sell? Uh, body armor, carriers, um, tactical gear. We sell uh, survival equipment. Night vision. All kinds of stuff. Night vision. Yeah, we just got this thermal legal? imaging device. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, as long as you keep it in the country. <laughs> Don't be shipping that to your friends abroad. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you bought it at Cabela's, they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so now, how did you get into into the, uh, what do you call it, arms dealer business? Yeah, in the arms business? Oh, I have to thank God for that, or blame him for that, something. But tell uh, me about But it. as you well know, I'm, I'm a yeah, mission, I was a missionary kid, stuff. right? Yeah, you're a missionary So I grew kid. up as a missionary kid. And, and in the so, Philippines. In the Philippines, right, in Asia. And uh, spent a lot of time in the jungle, and uh, I used to actually stay at the one and only ice plant in the middle of this jungle with this one guy who was kind of our uh, protector in that area while well, my dad used to go and visit these further out churches yeah, that were being planted. Yeah. Right. So I kind of grew up hanging out with this guy, and he happened to be one of those, a uh, little bit kind of like a warlord type or whatever. But he was, but he was kind of like your guard. Your body. Right, exactly. And he had about 300 people that were employees of his. Okay. So, so uh, no private him. army, but did you could arm every did single you one. Did you hire him? Or, 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 or <laughs> no, no, he was just he was part. Of, he was a member of the church, and he wanted to make sure that we didn't get kidnapped or killed. Right. Okay. But so I kind of grew up with this guy, and he was kind of my protector, and he was the first one to take me out and teach me how to shoot. Uh, as far as that's concerned, and uh, one of the things, the very first uh, rifle I ever shot actually was an M16 that said Oli Wah on the side of it. And I never knew until years later when I got a job there that it was Olympic Arms down in the Squally Valley. Yeah, and I ended up working there for about four or five years. So, that's why you, that's why you, yeah. that's why you, that's what it is. And I, there, and there, there was a business here. Yeah, there, well there was definitely a love at first sight kind of thing. Right. Uh, but what really drove it was being in these countries and seeing where the only people with any power over their life at all, or the amount of money that they make or whatever, were all the people that owned the guns. And everybody that had a gun was somebody who was wealthy, somebody who was empowered. If not, if you weren't wealthy or in power, you were carrying a gun for somebody who was wealthy and empowered. So that dis 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 disparate, dis disparity of force, Thank you. disproportionate. No, no. Disparity of wealth. Of disparity of wealth, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the rich people had right. armed guards and everything else around them. Right, and, and, and he with the guns makes the rules. in the Philippines, right? Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. And, uh, and so by seeing that and then coming back to this country where it's actually in our constitution that we have the right to have that and make sure that no one ever again can uh, come and, and take that right from us or uh, or, or would even take a look, you know, and the Japanese were like, hey, don't do the land war because there's a gun behind every blade of grass. I mean, they knew it back then. And after the last eight years of Obama selling guns for us, well, I'll tell you what, one of the best salesmen in the world. I think uh, Hillary would have beat him, but uh, he did a pretty damn good job of selling guns. I have a feeling Trump's going to do a pretty good job of it, too. I'm going to ask you a question about that in a minute. About sure. No, this is a spot where normally when we take a break and we put in a commercial, it's usually a commercial for you. So we won't do that. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're going to continue on with our conversation. Uh, so when do people buy guns? 
I mean, is there, is there a, a time, is there a season, is there an activity or an event? I mean, when do sure. people buy guns? Yeah, actually, uh, the, the, the firearms industry is kind of broken down into seasons a little bit, especially because of holidays and guns are great for gifts. And, you know, guns are kind of a luxury item. I mean, yeah. you can actually live without a gun because we have modern technology nowadays. You don't actually have to go out and shoot your food if you don't want to. Um, but during the summer, it's pretty dead. And then it starts, it starts to come up right around September, October. It peaks throughout November, December, the last People three months of fiscal year. Gifts. They buy guns for gifts, right? Anytime, it also peaks anytime there's a terrorist attack. Okay, so when there's a terrorist attack, yeah. then, then people, more people come in. Correct. Oh, it also peaks when the economy gets better. People have money to spend. People are happy. And when the economy goes to hell, they, they buy guns. They buy guns, why? <laughs> because you know you'll always be able to sell that gun if things get really bad, but you're not going to be able to sell that 60-inch TV you just bought from Walmart either. <laughs> so, so did you see an increase in gun sales when Trump was elected? Of course, you yeah. shopping vandalized, but... Yeah, well, I would say that there was definitely, um, there was a probably a pause just for the last week, but only because of the fatigue of, of shopping and, and Cyber Monday and yeah, stuff but, like but that. Who, who, would, who would do that? I mean, normally you think of people buying guns, you yeah. know, they got, they got their baseball cap and they got their camis and they, they come in to buy guns. Who comes in to buy guns when Trump is elected? Oh, everybody. Everybody. Oh, yeah. I mean, we sell a ton of guns and ammunition to not just the students, but also the staff of Evergreen College. So don't tell anybody that. <laughs> I, I'm sure Evergreen. half of them don't want anybody to know, but the fact of the matter is, uh, even that college, people come from all over the United States, from all different states. Yes, they do. You know? And so uh, the, the, amount, the kind of people that we've seen in there buying guns is, is the whole gamut range. I mean, from the guy with the million dollar Rolex on his arm, who lives down Cooper Point Road, who makes a you know a million and a half a year just because he's local you know there's that guy and then you've got you know you've got people that have walked in and looked like a junkie that i was about ready to throw out and happened to be uh, a vet who was down on his luck who ended up finally getting all of his back pay hadn't had a gun for two years and was going to spend twenty thousand dollars on guns just because he finally got paid back do you ever tell people no oh yeah Sure. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Why, why do you tell them no? Um, because I think that they're sketch. You know, I mean, if, if I think somebody is more of a hazard to themselves and me, I probably will find a reason to not uh, sell them a gun. I mean, we have we have the right to to refuse service, especially on something like that. But the only things that would really keep me from selling somebody a gun would be, um, of course, the denial aspect, right? I mean, sure, there's always yeah, that. Yeah, the but as far as like my own, right, you know, your own personal yeah, thing. my own personal thing is obviously if you're drunk no way if you're high no way uh if you come in smelling like booze no way because i can smell the difference between what, it what, being dumped on you and you drinking it but if you come in there yeah. and, and you absolutely don't know anything about a gun you never had mm -hmm. handled one before so i, I mean good you have question. to say no you really yeah. should go down the the gun range first or something i mean so here's why we do we have a holistic approach to the thing we're not just slinging heaters and 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 you know, pimping death sticks or whatever you want to call it. We actually have uh, two departments of the private sector LLC. One is private sector arms, which is the arms dealership. The other one is private sector defense, which is the training department, okay. uh, which my brother-in-law runs. And he's uh, ex-special forces first group uh, from up the way, spent the last nine years working <coughs> for 
um, un, you know, unnamed Family. whoever, right? <laughs> Uh, so he's now home, and all the training that was given to him that he ran through, all the schools, uh, I mean, everything from uh, Sodic Level 1, Sniper Instructor, all the way to yeah, but, uh, so, the, so the did, tracing did, stuff. Did he, so. did he take individual people <laughs> Absolutely. and show them how to handle their gun, yeah. load their gun, how to, We yeah. do uh, anatomy and physiology of pistol, rifle. We do basic pistol, basic rifle. We do hand-to-hand. -hand. We do stick fighting, knife fighting. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned right now about the weapon. So yeah. you take them out and, and, and show them how to shoot and mm -hmm. take them out to the range. I mean, you guys would do that? Absolutely. Um, there's a fee to it yeah. for it, obviously. But you, right. You, well, but, we provide that, and we always offer that immediately. So when we somebody comes in and buy a gun, mm -hmm. and you can tell that they don't know very much about it, you would offer the services yeah. of, of getting Well, them even if they do know, because a lot of people know a lot, but they don't actually know a lot. They know it up here because they've been typing on the computer for the last 30 years, wishing they were that guy. Oh, they've been watching TV. Right. So they know a lot, and when you talk to them, you think that this guy has done it before. But if you make, uh, like sales, like with anything else, if you constantly put it out there for sale, somebody's gonna get it and whether you know whether it's a gun or training it really will vary as to who's gonna grab what but we always offer that training with that firearm regardless of whether or not that person experienced it's good sales policy but at the same time it's the yin to our yang I mean you know we don't want to be putting these dumping these weapons uh, I, I hate to say dumping them on the street but when, when there's a when there's a mad fury of buying that's kind of dumping them on the street so you you know you really have you to know have a lot that of people come in don't know anything about guns and they're all buying guns. Yeah, but, um, but, I think I think the people that are 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 really the hard cases like that are generally so fearful they don't even want to touch it when they come in. Yeah. And those people don't buy guns. They just look at you down their nose and go like, "That's disgusting." Well, you're scary looking yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of scary looking. And all the people working <laughs> in the shop are scary looking. <laughs> I mean, you got beards and long hair and tattoos yeah. and you know uh, you know yeah. Right. So we all look like Jesus, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't know Jesus, I didn't know Jesus wore, wore a tattoo. Rings, but yeah, I know. he said he tattooed his name, your name on his thigh. It says so in the Bible. <laughs> he pierced the nose of the church. I realize you don't want to go back to talking like my father, but... <laughs> but he does refer to as I had his father on uh, last year around right Christmas time to talk about Christmas, and he wanted to talk about everything but Christmas, so... <laughs> So I will have a minister on for my Christmas program here in a couple of weeks. But I want to talk more about rules and regulations and sure. gun, gun control. What is your feeling on gun control? Should there be gun control? If, if not, why not? And if so, what kind? Yeah, gun control. I want to know. So I think that anytime you give the government the right to tell you to do one thing or not is never really a good idea. Okay. Okay. Now, granted... I mean, I'm, I'm happy to live. There's the argument of, you know, why? You want to run around dirt roads and potholes and this and that. And I think that the, the we have documents that lay out exactly the responsibilities of what the federal government is or is not allowed to do. I am not, and I don't like to weapons, me. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, for what they're, for anything, the search and seizure, all that, right? It's all in the, it's all in the Constitution there. It's um, an interpretation by the courts of the Constitution. Correct, correct. Uh, but really the big deal for me is the separation between the federal government and the state. Okay. The state government has those powers. They actually have the right to do those things unless the state constitution says they're not allowed to do those right. things. Uh, just like, for example, it's against our state constitution to uh, demand registration of firearms. Yet somehow we've managed to say it was okay for the Department of Licensing to license the sale of a pistol Hence, keeping your name and record on with the gun on file 
uh, making a... Well, you don't do you that. Know. You don't report to... Yeah, we do. So if I buy a gun, you yeah. report to the department license and I have a gun? I send in your form. One of the forms you fill out is a licensing pistol. What the hell are you doing that for? Because that's the law. Whose law? Washington State's law. It's called a pistol transfer form. That's a that's licensing. A, that, well, that's a new law that they passed. No, this has been around since 92. So if like you, you're a license dealer. I come in and buy a pistol from mm -hmm. you. You report to the Department of Licensing that I have bought. Right. That I have, that I have purchased a pistol. Right. You fill out the background paperwork and you fill out the pistol licensing form. The pistol licensing form is the one that we send so to the law enforcement agency to do your background. Why don't I, want, why why don't I buy a pistol, you? Buy a pistol in, in Walmart parking lot? Because of I-594, which was passed to... Uh, in 2014, which says you have to go and have an FFL dealer. So private sales are no more after 2014. So uh, I that's also debatable, and that's a whole other show. So I can't buy a I can't buy a gun from my friend. Not without doing a background check, and the only people allowed to do that are dealers at and, and, shops. And my and my father can't give me a gun. Oh, that's not true, because part of the uh, I'm asking exception of I-594 was immediate family. A bona fide gift to immediate family. So what's the, what's that's father family? to son, husband to wife, mother to daughter. But you can't go grandson to grandfather. You so have I, to give I, it to I, my I dad. Couldn't, I couldn't give you to my nephew. I couldn't give you a gun. Not the nephew. No, you'd have to give it to my father and have my father give it to me because it'd be your brother. <laughs> oh wait, unless it was your wife's brother, right. which it is. Which means you'd have to give it to your wife, have your wife give it to my dad, my dad can then give it to me. <laughs> Except I am an FFL dealer, which means I can take it from you without doing a background check on myself, even though there has never because actually been anything in the law that says I can. So what, you, what, you're, what you're saying is that we have, we're already having registration of handguns. Yeah. Uh, de facto registration. I mean, yeah, that, yeah, de yeah, facto, right. 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 And has that been challenged in court? Um, you know, I think they try to challenge it every 10 years or so, but... Uh, some people, you know, some people like it because they buy the gun and they know if they get pulled over and the cops run the serial number, it's going to come back with their name. But that's not even true necessarily either because I did sell one to somebody before. Uh, seven years later, I was called by King County once again, and they said, we have a gun of yours here. Come get it. Or do you know what happened to your gun? I go, well, I have lots of guns. Which one, am I, which one have I lost? And they wouldn't tell me. So I went up there so they could arrest me, I'm sure. And then uh, come to find out, you know, uh, it was a gun that they had taken off a guy when he got in an accident. They just found the gun in the car. He didn't have his name on it. He couldn't prove ownership because he bought it at a gun show. And so they took it from him and called me seven years later after I had already traded it in at a gun shop I was working at and had already been sold to this dude named Jerry. So like I really, I knew exactly where this gun went and then it was eventually sold at the Centralia gun show to some guy from Seattle and that guy who could legally own a gun, King County took that firearm from him because he could not prove ownership and that itself is illegal according to our state. But they returned it to me, which tells me one thing, the Department of Licensing was backed up at least seven years when they ran that serial number. So. About four years ago, maybe five years ago, I purchased a handgun from a friend mm -hmm. in the parking lot of Denny's. Sure. Now, that's my gun. Yep. I got no sales, you know, got nothing on Correct. I did go over and get a concealed weapons permit and carry it. But so it's not registered now. So what does that mean right. to me? Uh, well, can, that means can, if can you, you ever. Can it be confiscated? 
Well, not legally. I mean, legally, that guy couldn't even confiscated the other guy's gun. What they could do is they could run the serial number. If they found out that it was actually sold to someone else after 2000, December 4, 2014, then yes, you would okay. be in violation at but that this, point. This guy bought the gun in Cabela's and, there was, you know, right. and they did the check and everything. Okay. Right, right. So, so, so I, I have a handgun that's not registered in that. Right. Legal. And it's not required by law to register. So you could come in from another state with a thousand guns. It wouldn't be required by law to go tell anybody. So what do you want to do uh, as a business owner and somebody that actually has some uh, respect for guns? You know, you sell guns. Mm -hmm. you, you sell guns to citizens yeah. for protection. Right. Do you ever sell a gun when you think, I probably shouldn't sell this guy a gun? No. So you have kind of an internal alarm system that said, I probably shouldn't sell this guy a gun, so I'm not going to? I mean, well, I how, have, do you, how do you do that? Well, first of all, I don't like judging people, obviously, by the way they look right. or well right. they feel or right. this or that or and whatever. You should never do that. But, but, I mean, come on. There are times when we are dealing with people and you can see in their eyes there is something whacked. And normally, on somebody like that, and I'm assuming that's probably because I, I, I worked security for years <coughs> in clubs and dealing with drunks and stuff like that, that you can generally, with somebody who's whacked, if you can spot it, you can lead them into the decision to not purchase. So I would rather lead them to the decision to not purchase. Uh, and, and that's easily done by, can, by maybe giving too much information. We talk to sales guys all the time. The more you talk, the more you ruin the sale. But you give people a lot of information, they start thinking they don't know enough. And then you encourage them to take their time to do research. Okay. There are probably, what, 300 million guns in the United States? That's what they estimate, because that's made yeah. one for every person, just about, about 300 million guns in the United States. Right. Probably uh, two-thirds of them, half of them are illegal. I mean, I'm asking you. Yeah, I don't know those numbers. Okay. I don't know. We... we we don't ever see any of the illegal stuff because every time we buy a gun or get a trade-in, that person gives us a valid ID that has their current address, that is not expired, has a picture, it says local, whatever. And so if that does come back that that gun has been stolen, we have somebody that we can sacrifice. So you do buy guns too? <laughs> oh yeah, sure. So if I wanted to give you my pistol, I could come and sell it to you? Absolutely. And then the moment I sell it, I register it in that other dude's Can name. I trade it in for a better gun? That's possible. You might have to throw some cash on it. <laughs> you know what I always say, if you don't want it, why would I want it? <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to get at is that, that as a legal seller of firearms, somebody who actually seems to be concerned about yeah. the sale of guns and who gets them and those kind of things, and you never did answer my question about registration. Should everybody in this country be required to register any firearm? No. No, that, that's no good. Why? Well, because as soon as you do that, now you have a reason and a way to affect those people. It's the same reason why you shouldn't be posting people's name and address of everybody who's a gun owner or has a concealed weapons permit around the local vicinity. They make apps for that now. Do you know that? Oh yeah, that's crazy. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure my under some. But but the but the big the whole the whole point behind the Second Amendment was not for hunting or sporting or any of that other stuff. The government. idea was to protect us from a tyrannical government okay. and against enemies foreign and domestic. So the moment you let a government that may not be tyrannical now start creating a kill list or a let's raid their house list or a these are the people that will if there will be a revolution these are the guys that now, are going to supply you know you sound like a right wing fanatic now a right wing fanatic yeah. i was hoping i would sound like a mid-centric fanatic <laughs> no i mean i mean that's basically you know mm -hmm. 
uh, those are the people that are really, or am I more liberal? Stay out of my business, guy. That's the kind. Of, that would be a libertarian. Yeah. Those are the kind of uh, people that that you know are associated with people who are opposed to, to gun control. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm opposed to. Uh, I, look, I don't like big government. I don't like people in my business. But at the same time, there's a reason for it, which is why we have it, as long as they stick to it. But ultimate power corrupts ultimately. So. You just got to keep having elections and mixing it up every once in a while. So if somebody wanted to buy a gun, should they come and see you or should they go to Cabela's? No, definitely come see me first. Why? Well, because at Cabela's, you're going to stand there like the DMV. You're going to take a number and nobody gives a crap. And then you're going to look at five guys standing there talking behind the counter. And when you catch an eye with one of the guys, they all scatter like cockroaches into the back because they don't do Let's be you. careful about, not, about running down uh, Cabela's. Well, yeah, that's right. Be careful what, about what, that. What you're basically saying, is that, what you're basically saying <laughs> is it takes longer to get it. It takes way longer to do that. The thing is, is uh, if you buy, if you see a gun that you like in our place, we can do the paperwork, have everything done, and you're in and out there 15 minutes if you're in a hurry. You go to Cabela's, you're in there for a good two hours if you find something okay. you like. And you also, I'm a, as you mentioned before, provide a service if you mm -hmm. if you need some kind of training or education about your right. firearm. Right. You'll provide that as well. Also, one of the things that we do is we provide. Uh, we provide instructional sessions for free for people that want to build their own guns, specifically AR-15s, AK-47s. People like to do uh, build their own guns and also change furniture, pistol grips, butt stocks, that kind of thing. If you buy one of those weapons from us, we will always do the labor for free. Where we normally charge 40 bucks an hour, you're going to pay at least an hour to do anything on your gun. We do that for free if you bought the gun from us. And even better yet, if you want to be the guy that knows how to do that stuff, we teach you how to do that for free. We let you use our own tools and everything and take time out of our day as we're running back and forth to teach you how to handle your fire. Well, we're, we're running out of time here. Don. Sure. I'm going to call you Donnie, but I'll continue to That's call right. you Don. Um, there are other private gun shops in town. Uh -huh. There are probably, what, three or four of them? I mean, I uh, there's, there's two other ones uh, over in the, uh, the uh, unincorporated Thurston County area over by Lacey. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 okay. So, do they do the same thing? Uh, that we do? Yeah. No. No, in fact, nobody does. I've, I've been working for people around here for a long time, and that's one of the reasons we do those things is because those are the things that are really lacking in this business here. So, how many more kids are you going to have? None. <laughs> Five got, is the limit. Daddy's got four boys and, yeah. and, and one girl. One girl. Yeah. And he's got them all tattooed on his neck. <laughs> yeah, I think I owe a couple of them some name space. <laughs> I don't have much neck. <laughs> well, my guest has been Don Teague, who is the owner of Private Sector Arms on Olympia's West Side, next to Baskin and Robin. Uh, Don, thank you very much for coming in yeah, and, and educating us more about weapons and firearms. Yeah, Appreciate anytime it. at all. Come in and, and play with stuff. Thank you. All right. Me. Yeah. Buck up, buck up, buck up, buck up, buck up. Boom.